We thank you for your goodness. In the name of Jesus. Thank God for peak. Amen. Thank God for what uh, past peaks have already accomplished. I think that um, I'm sure that last night was the largest peak crowd on the first night ever. And um, hallelujah. And um, I certainly believe in peak. Peak has several purposes. And uh, one of them is fellowship, which is important. Probably the next one is the most important is spiritually impacting moments in the lives of young people and others. A third one that's important is culture creation. Holiness meets holiness and realizes that there's a holy people in the world. And we thank God for that. Amen. And then also, Peak plays an important role in that it introduces us to Hope Corps, which if I had a teenager in my home that was graduating from high school, and this is hypothetical, but if they had the option of doing Hope Corps and going to the ITW or an option of going to college, but if they went to Hope Corps, they could never go to college the rest of their life, I would very clearly tell them to take Hope Corps. Because the kingdom of God is the most important thing in the world. Amen. Amen. So we thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his presence here today. While you remain standing, let me read a verse of scripture so I can let you be seated. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, one of the most iconic scriptures in the Bible and also one of the most uh, impacting pieces of literature in the world of literature. Genesis 3.15, God is speaking to the serpent and says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. My title this morning is Taking Care of Mama. I want to preach to you about a little bit unusual. I, uh, I actually want to preach to all the women and girls, young ladies. Uh, then I got something else I want to preach to all the guys. But 
there's not time to do both of them. So guys, if I'm alive another year, come somewhere where I'm preaching and I'll preach it to you. Amen. Praise God. But I'm telling you, unequivocally today, I'm preaching about women, young girls, and a particular woman. I am uh, preaching this because God has so heavily laid it upon my heart. I think if you would look at all of the possible things that are happening that are signs of the end time, all the earthquakes, all of the um, natural disasters, wars, rumors of wars, uh, all of the other things that are going on that we normally talk about, what's happening in Israel and the Middle East, on and on these eschatological signs of the end time appear. But I think the top one, the top sign of the coming of the Lord is when you look at what's occurring with women. It is a sign of the end time. There's a scripture in Psalms that says, and the foundations of the earth are being overturned. And I don't know of any time, sociologically speaking, that that's been more true than the day that we're living in. But it's not new. And it's not some, some challenge that we cannot meet. And it's not something that will cause the church, which itself is a woman, the bride of Christ, is not going to be able to handle because it will be able to handle anything that comes down the pipe. Amen. Amen. So God bless you. You may be seated. Thank God for the word last night. I love these men over here on my right, your left. I respect them. I thank God for their courage to take the next step, to take peek into being a national and international force for righteousness among young people by moving to this complex. I think last night was a witness and today is a witness and the beautiful facilities that you and I are enjoying is a witness to the wisdom of the youth council of, and uh, to the other leaders in the worldwide Pentecostal fellowship. And I'm glad I'm here today, and I'm glad you're here today, and all of us young people are having a good time together. Amen. So I think it's fitting that I would preach about Eve. I'm probably closer to her age than most anybody else in here. We did not go to school together. However, I know many of her relatives. In fact, everybody in here, that's your mama. So that's why while we're talking about uh, mama, the first mama we've got is Eve. And science has finally made a decision. I'm so proud of them that they agree with the Bible that the whole human race came from two people, from Adam and from Eve.
Uh, I'm, I'm glad they finally decided that. I was so worried about their opinion about that. And uh, so all they had to do was look in the Bible, which uh, uh, five, 6,000 years ago, they could have looked back there and read Genesis uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 and seen that. But, you know, it's just good that science has finally caught up. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we look at this, I don't want to get off talking about Adam. Because there's a lot to talk about on Adam. But I want to focus on Eve. Here is this girl. She is not very old. She has been deceived. She is alone in the world with only Adam. When you think about that, there are no other human beings on earth. There's no other communication with other human beings on earth. And one of the first things that happens when she meets the serpent is that she recognizes that she is connected all the way back from the garden not only with earth, but with heaven. Now this connection, I can't spend a lot of time on it, but it's a very important connection in that uh, Hollywood heathen and other folks that are doing their best to deny that there's a God wants to think that the earth is separated from the heavens, that there is no connection between the two except the cold facts of orbits uh, and that, uh, and that there is no moral agency that is over the entire universe, uh, and that connection does not exist. However, we know that the connection does exist because the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 1, starts out with, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the fact that they are both united and fused in the very first verse lets us know if you're a human being, you cannot get away from the fact that there's a connection to the universe out there beyond us. And that we are not only made of earth, but there's also by the breath of God being breathed into us, we are made of heaven. And you can't escape that. You can't just live an earth life and ever escape that. You can't drink enough. You can't shoot up enough. You can't party enough to get away from the fact that you and I are connected with heaven and we're connected with earth. And the metaphor for that is um, uh, laying on a stone, his head on a stone, and his body on the earth, Jacob goes to sleep. In his sleep, there is a ladder or stairway that appears that connects him to heaven. And going on that ladder between earth and heaven are angels, the Bible says ascending and descending. And they are doing, it's, it's concourse, it's business between heaven and earth. And the fact that he's got his head on a stone, the earth, and is laying on the earth, and the fact the Bible takes time to say that, wants us to know that earth people like you and I, not somebody out there that's in the mysterium somewhere, 
But earth people like you and I are connected with heaven and we are connected with earth. And there is no getting away from that. And thank God we're people that understand that because we have the Holy Ghost in our hearts, which comes from heaven. Let's thank him for the Holy Ghost right now. Praise God. Amen. And then, of course, Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so... There is this connection where there's an expectation that on earth things will happen that are, that are corollary to what's going on in heaven. These are the, these are the circumstances into which Eve finds herself. This verse that I read to you that introduces uh, the situation leaves us with the understanding of this connectivity. It also leaves us with an understanding of the immensity of the world in which she's living. When you talk about the heavens, you're talking about something that exceeds our imagination, our ability to grasp what all of that is. But the Bible does let us know that, that, that there, is, there, is an, there is an edge somewhere to the heavens. We can't quite get a grip on this. In the 1990s, they sent the Hubble uh, telescope out 350 miles above the Earth, and it circles the Earth, and it shoots out into space. And we've got pictures from that in the last 32 or 3 years that mankind has never had before. And it sees further into the depth of the universe than has ever been seen before. But now, just last Christmas, was launched the James Webb Telescope which didn't go up 350 miles, it went up a million miles, and it doesn't orbit the earth, it orbits the sun, and the first pictures from it just got in last week before peak started, so that I could tell you about them, they did it just before peak, so that the news could be given here at peak about those pictures. And they just got them, and they've never seen anything like it before, they've never heard of anything like it before. They are so spectacular, they can't believe it. But they still haven't got to the outer edge of the universe. They still haven't got to the outer edge. Well, is there an outer edge to the universe? So maybe out there there's a wall somewhere, and that's the end of the universe. But But what's on the other side of the wall? I mean, if it's a wall, it's got two sides. And so... Nobody knows how far it is out there, but Ephesians and 4 and 10 is one of the most entrancing scriptures I know in the Bible. And Ephesians 4 and 10 tells us that Jesus has ascended. He has ascended not just to the heavens. He has ascended after his death, burial, and resurrection, not just above the heavens, But he has ascended far above the heavens. I don't know where far above the heavens is. And I don't know how high far above the heavens is. But I know that my Lord has went far beyond the telescopes. Far above the heavens. And I know the Bible says that where he is, ye shall be also. I know that we're going, that our God's already conquered all of that and stands supreme above it all. And that's the Jesus we worship in this room today. Come on, let's clap our hands and praise the greatness of our God. And what he has done. 
Amen. And so, anyway, she's connected with all of that. But she's alone. One of the other basic observations we had to look at before we really get into this is that also her universe was not empty. It was not empty. It wasn't just heavenly bodies orbiting around one another and lights shooting from here to yon in spectacular beauty. But in that world, the Bible tells us that there are principalities and the scripture plunges us deep into the world of principalities. We already found the word principality earlier in some of the, some of the scriptures that I've referenced. Uh, but the Bible, and the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Everybody said principalities. Whatever that is. Uh, and against the rulers of darkness of this world. Again in Ephesians, Paul says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And so we've got these principalities that you and I are having to cope with. And and when you talk about principalities, it it the word is archaic. It, it, it means... Get this, the person or thing that commences, uh, the first person in a thing or series, uh, the first in a line, the first magistry of evil in our case, uh, the original powers. Uh, so when I'm preaching to you today is not some far down line story that is uh, into the murky past, but not all the way back. We're going all the way back to the principles, the first beings in the universe. Not earth beings, uh, but there's beings in the universe that they are the principal ones, the first ones. Uh, and this woman, uh, this woman is is now caught in a world where these principal ones uh, from the beginning of creation that had power and authority including upon earth uh, this woman is caught in this uh, and God himself has proclaimed uh, that there will be this contesting uh, between herself uh, and between one of these principal ones in fact the principal one of all principalities uh, is the one that she will deal with uh, that comes in the reptilic form of a serpent uh, and she has this to contend with uh, and waited on whether she wins or loses uh, is the entire history of the world is compressed into this one verse uh, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman speaking of the principal one and the woman and between thy seed and her seed uh, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt brute his heel. And so from the beginning here, there has been, there is even today, an adversarial relationship between women and between the principal principality. Principles create principalities, which are structures of darkness, strongholds. They, they, they create these and they resist the, 
uh, the power and the will of God. And so here is this woman who is facing this principal one. And, and it's, it's the, the, the destiny of the race is depending on this. And it's a, it's a, it's a deal far, uh, too big for her. Uh, she, she's, she's never been in this. But the entire war of the universe starts with this solitary woman in a struggle to the death with a strange being that may be millions of years old presenting itself to her in this reptilic form. And this girl is supposed, she has this responsibility on her back. And this all occurs on earth about earth's future. And so here we are. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, not the race, not just enmity between thee and the race, between thee and the woman. And so I personally believe that there is a, the the devil is a misogynist, being a woman hater. The devil, I believe the devil hates women. And I believe he hates women in a specific way. He hates all of us. The devil hates us and we hate the devil. But he hates all, but he hates, he hates all of us, but he hates women in a specific and particular way. And, and, and it, it appears. Uh, from what scripture we have and that's all we can use and it's more than the world's God so don't knock it but it appears that this principle one first of all it appears that the earth plays a role in the universe that is far outsized compared to its geographical size and that it's not just one planet among billions uh, that have equal importance but it has distinct importance uh, it's the only place that God so loved that he gave his, God so loved the cosmos, that means all of it, uh, that he gave his only begotten son. That only happened on earth. Uh, that, that's here. That, there's something special about here. God's manifest in the flesh here. But until that time, he's never been manifest. But here, he's manifest in human flesh. There's something special about human beings. There's something special about earth. And there's something special about women. And this power that at one time was tasked with the oversight of the earth, but lost it due to his pride without going into all of those scriptures in Ezekiel and Isaiah and Revelation and so forth. But he lost all of that. And now God's give that to man. And this, this one that lost it has now taken it back by deceiving them. But now this woman comes on the scene. He thought he had it all fixed. But this woman comes on the scene. And she's a threat to him. And God speaks to the serpent and said, your curse is... You are going to be in enmity with the woman. And the woman's going to be in enmity with you. And her seed and your seed are going to duke it out. And her seed is going to destroy you. It doesn't say that her seed's going to destroy his seed. But it says her seed's going to destroy you. And let me just jump ahead because there's a lot of applications of this. But when Jesus rose out of the grave, that's what he was doing. He rose up and conquered death, hell and the grave. And the principal one of the universe. And Satan is cast out and defeated through the seed of Eve. 
Ah, let's thank God for Jesus. <laughs> Man, I'm not, I'm, I'm glad I'm in church today. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Nobody made me come in here today. Hey man, I'm old enough, I go to where I want to go and I do what I want to do and that's what I'm doing today. I've come to where I want to come and I'm doing what I want to do. And that's be with you, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And if the devil don't like it, the devil can lump it. Come on, let's praise him again. Amen. And so here she is, you may be seated. Here she is. Facing the snake, a spirit being. There are theologians that believe that that's what it ought to be called in its rawest form as a snake. He's a snake. A spirit being. Not made of the earth. Not native to the earth. Satan is not native to the earth. Eve is native to the earth. She is first and foremost an earth creature, though connected with heaven. But he is first and foremost a universal heavenly creature, but connected to the earth. There's a difference. He's a fallen ruler of a rebellious host in an unseen world. And he's the principal, principal one in the universe. And so you have this principal cosmic being. And this is still going on today, of course. This principal cosmic being versus this principle because Eve is also a principal one. She's also a first, uh, the first earthling. She's also in the category that he's in and he's coming to earth to talk to her. And she is an earth being that is a principal one. And so when all of this takes place, this lone woman is overwhelmed by powers that are superior to her and she is not up for this. And she is native to the earth and native to a finite world. And this lone woman facing the chief alien being from outer space, it's not equal, but it's the historic struggle of the spiritual seed with the natural and with the natural world. There's no escaping the mix. And this this whole thing deals with spiritual oddities. They're out on the edge. A woman and her future seed is locked in battle with the chief hostile spiritual force of the universe. What started then continues to now. Now, I know that when it talks about the seed of the woman, it's talking about Christ. And when it talks about the seed of the serpent, it's talking about the Antichrist. Jesus himself said, I am come in my Father's name and ye receive me not. If another, that's the seed of the serpent, if another shall come in his own name, him will ye receive. That's the Antichrist. But but also there's the application there is not just when it says the woman and her seed being Christ. But the woman and her seed, being you and I, being the human race, 
The devil doesn't just hate Christians. The devil hates the whole human race. If you're a sinner here, the devil hates you. Amen. And if you think he's partnering with you uh, to make you happy, you're, you're deceived because he's not. He's a hater. He hates every human being. He hates every man. He hates every woman. He hates every boy, every girl, every young man, every young woman. He hates us all. There's not going to be any change. Jesus said he's a murderer from the beginning and he is a liar. And you've got to draw that line and you can't make compromises with him. You can't negotiate a peace with the devil. You can't say, I'll give you a little if you'll leave me alone. You give him a little and he'll take a little more. You got to stand up somewhere and say, I ain't giving you nothing and you're not big enough to take it when I'm under Christ. Oh, come on. Praise him. Amen. So somebody says, well, why do you, why do you guys preach so much to women or about women? Because that's where much of the battle is fought, bub. You think it's some kind of fixation, it's just because you don't know your theology. That's where most of the battle is fought. And this battle won't just be till somebody gets their arm broke. This battle is to the death. Amen. And we can never doubt, as long as I'm talking about that, we can never doubt that we're involved in war. We are at war. It is spiritual warfare. Fighting is a major focus of history. Out of 3,400 years of history, they've only been able to find 260 years when war was not going on in the earth somewhere. And all of it starts back here. The Bible is full of biblical nomenclature, biblical language. The Bible tells us this over and over. The word battle is used 170 times in the Bible. Amen. Get used to it. The word fight is used 107 times. The word war is used 220 times. There's actually a book. That is referenced in the book of Numbers. Uh, that's called the book of the wars of the Lord. I don't have any idea what that is. Uh, but it lets me know that there was wars. This is not an Old Testament concept. Some people think, well, you're just getting all that from the Old Testament. No, no, no. This is not an Old Testament concept. This is a biblical concept. Amen. Paul said, so I fight in 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, and in 1 Timothy he said, fight the good fight of faith. As it is a fight of faith. Uh, and he said that uh, uh, in Revelation 2.16, Jesus said, Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them. Amen. It's Philip. Uh, Ephesians says, Be strong. 6.11 says, The whole armor of God. 6.16 says, Take the shield of faith. And to quench all the fiery darts. The word darts in Greek means missiles. We're not in the darts anymore. We're into missiles now. But we've got the battle, we got the gear, we got the defensive mechanism uh, to, to stop them. Amen. We've got the we've got the iron armor. Amen. That will stop it. Uh, amen. The God gives us all of that. He says, put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the spirit. Look, it's battle, folks. Uh, it's not battle of us against other men and women. It's a battle of us against the spiritual forces of darkness, pushing them back, taking authority. Building churches, winning souls, casting out devils, reaching the world. That's the battle that we're in. And those forces are resisting. But we're coming in Jesus' name. We're coming in Jesus' name.
Amen. And so he hates you. And he hated Eve. The girl in the poisonous snake that talks. Amen. There's an irreparable enmity between her and the snake. It cannot be fixed. There will be no compromise. It's life and death. It's an implacable hatred that's ingrained. And it's one single woman on the earth against the highest, hostile, malignant, malevolent forces in the universe. One girl. One girl. And the enmity is towards her. It is to destroy her womanhood because she is a threat to repopulate the earth. Her and her daughters. They are a threat. They bear the seed. If you want to jump to who Eve is like metaphorically, the Bible says Eve in one, uh, in 320 says Eve is the mother of all living. But in the New Testament, it says the church is the mother of us all. And just as the first Adam had, he found his ministry taking care of mama. Jesus, the second Adam, found his ministry in creating mama and then taking care of mama. And Jesus still takes care of mama. And Jesus used you and I to take care of mama. And there's nothing more important on earth than mama, which is the church. Uh, There's no job. There's no future. There's no fame. There's no fortune. There's no amount of money. There's nothing you can do as a career that is as important as taking care of mama. Oh, let's thank God for mama. And so he wants to destroy her womanhood. He wants to destroy her self-esteem. He wants to despise her womb. He despises her womb. He wants to destroy her ability to nurture. He wants to destroy her gender. Uh, The control of earth is directly tied to the gifts that are given to a woman. The future of the earth is tied to that. And so here's this beautiful girl who is cruelly uh, uh, tricked and humbled and she's under attack and she's under attack again in our time this is why in our world today in almost everything that's in the headlines women are on the forefront of virtually every fight every fight that's going on every political fight every it's it's what's going on with women that is in the front abortion Gender confusion. Sex trafficking. By the way, for all of you backslid apostolics that now bring the Super Bowl into your church, the Super Bowl has been decided that it is the single largest sex tracking, sex trafficking event in annually in America is a Super Bowl. 
Oh, but you're saying it's all right for your church to be involved in all of the idolatry of those sports. You, you, will, you don't want to hear nobody preach what I'm preaching. You'll take your young people and make sure they go somewhere else so they don't get here while you get seduced by what's going on in the world. Amen. But we're not seduced by that. We don't intend to be seduced by that. We see that as an attack on women and the, uh, plus a whole lot of other things. Uh, and we got delivered from that. You may be seated. And don't come here acting like, well, if you guys were athletic, you'd understand. You are so full of baloney, you don't even know what you're talking about. Amen. There's people here, they could be playing all over the place, but they're not. Instead of playing, they're working. They're doing the work of God. They've consecrated themselves to God. They've given themselves to the Holy Ghost. There's no backing up. There's no going back. We left all of that behind a long time ago. That's not all in my notes. So when you talk about destruction of the home, you're talking about the woman. When you talk about all of the multiplied tens of thousands of births out of wedlock, the person that receives the biggest brunt of that is the child and the woman who is alone doing the best she can now. And the efforts to destroy the family, the whole concept that the nuclear family is just some construct of, of people who are suppressive. It, it, it's all demonic. That whole thing is, that whole idea is demonic. And um, the, the, the efforts now to disconnect sex from marriage uh, is an attack on the woman. Uh, um, and the, the uh, uh, attempt to separate uh, linguistically gender from anatomy uh, comes back to an attack on the woman and then the efforts to manipulate her self-esteem through attacking her appearance uh, uh, comes back on the world so on the woman so in our world today uh, this snake that stands against the woman he must keep you women from knowing your power he's got to keep you from knowing your power he has to blind you that you are high and holy and the secret power you have is not stuff that's fake and false, but the secret power that you have is that you are a woman. The attraction, the glory, the power is your gender, that you are a woman. And when that is attacked, you got to say, no, 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 that's me. That's my identity. That's who I am. Don't come after that. I'm not, I'm not going down that road. It doesn't matter. This is a hill to die on. I said, this is a hill to die on. And you hear the mantra. You hear the mantra from Hollywood and other people. Get the government off my body. My body is my own. Keep your laws off my body. Well, maybe that's true for you. But that's not true for us. Because we have a master. Amen. And the Bible says, and the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that is within you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, 
for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. Our body, my body's not my own. I can't use it for whatever I want to. Your body, well, no, our body is a temple. Your body may be a whorehouse. Your body may be a, a shack. Your Bible, your body may be a rundown barn, but our body is a temple and temples are for sacred things and holy things. And that's how we live our lives because our, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Oh, we ought to give him glory for making us a temple. Amen. And so, you may be seated. That's the secret of her power, is her gender. That's why gender is attacked. Her gender is her gift from God, reflecting her distinctiveness as the image of God in a way that man cannot reflect. And, and it's a sacred thing. It's not a burden. It's a, it's a gift. It's not a, it's not a side note, but it's a core to her identity as the image of God. It's not negotiable. It's a trust between her and God. Amen. And all of this stuff that's going on in the schools where you can change genders or you can take on, you can identify as this, you can identify. Somebody told me yesterday that in a school district in Niles, Michigan, they have children who have come to school and now identify as cats. They said, I'm a cat. They actually have a name for them. They call them furries. <laughs> I'm not lying. How many kids you got? Well, we got 10 boys, 6 girls, and 14 furries. Somebody said, well, what's you making fun of those kids? No, I'm making fun of the ignorant fools that let those kids think that. Hey, hey, and that doesn't mean we hate the ignorant fools. I mean, I'm sorry if you're an ignorant fool, but we love you and God loves you. And if you'll come to this altar and repent of your sins, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And make a saved woman or man out of you. And we'll do everything we can to help you get there. So, furries. I mean, so anymore, I mean, you may meet a kid. You know, I mean, he's like 10 years old, he's in the fifth grade. Hey, what's your name? Well, it used to be Billy. What is it now? I'm a dog. Ruffy's my name. Ruffy. Ruffy. Amen. So they, they actually were making them, putting kitty litters in the bathrooms for these little furries. It's not a joke. I mean, it is a joke, but it's not a joke. It's a pathetic joke. So here's, here's what I'm waiting to see what they do. So you walk in and you meet two other little 10-year-old boys. And you say, what do you identify as? He said, an elephant. What do you identify as? A hippopotamus. And guess what? What? We got to go to the bathroom. So, what? you know, that's an issue. Kitty litter, kind of hard to figure all that out. You can identify as anything. 
Just, how did we get to this place? We got to this place, enmity between the serpent and the woman. And really, it's like one little girl would sing. It's really very simple. My body is a temple. Its beauty comes from sacred grace, which shines out through my holy face. No more do I my body own. It now belongs to God. She sings better than I can, but it's a good song. It's really very simple. My body is a temple. So you don't put graffiti on a temple. You don't scribble on temples. Temples are sacred. They don't do that kind of thing. Now, if you don't have a master, that's you. But if you got a master, you don't do that. Because you got it, you're a temple. Amen. Did you know that cutting is a medical condition and a mental condition? Cutting? All this stuff's partly connected to cutting. When you read uh, the book of Mark, you find out that the wild man of Gadara that was filled with demons, one of the things that he did it was cutting himself. He was a cutter. But when you got a temple, you don't do that. Amen. You don't. You don't tattoo it. Now, if you got them before you were the temple, that's a different story. But once you're in the temple, we don't tattoo it. Now, I shouldn't tell you this because my punishment from my wife will be three hours sitting in the dumpster. So a woman gets a tattoo right here of a boy she's going with named Larry. 20 years later, Larry. And on top of that, she married Bob. I hope my wife's in the restroom. So he has to, he has to convince women, even her children, that they are not good enough the way God created them. He's got to make her despise herself. He's got to make her think she's ugly. He's got to make her think her role in life is less than other people's and always be exhausted trying to catch up. He always points out her shortcomings. He does everything he can to make her leave her holy, powerful gender status as a woman. And so 
In the 20s, long before you were born, most of you in the 20s, they started chopping off their hair, which historically was not done. And then in the 30s and 40s, they started wearing men's apparel, slacks, and so forth. And it all had a certain patina of innocence to it compared to where we are now. But it makes you look back at scriptures that look so rigid in the past, like Deuteronomy 22 and 5, where a woman should not wear that which pertains to a man, and a man should not wear that which pertains to a woman, which looks so rigid in the past. Now we see that what it was really doing was letting us know, don't start down that path. Don't start down that path. It's not that the first thing was overwhelming, but it opened the door and started it down the path until now, until now the whole gender deal is under attack and it all started way back there and has brought us to where we are today. That's why the Bible says don't even start. Even if it pertains to a woman, man, stay away. Even if it pertains to a man, woman, stay away. And that's not an attack on anybody. If, if you're one of the people that promotes what I just stood against, we love you. You're wrong. We will preach and you won't stop us from preaching, but we love you, but you're wrong. And don't always take the next step. The next step, the next step is always to say, if you say anything about this false mess, uh, then the next focus is, oh, well, you're transphobic. I'm not transphobic at all. Not in the least. We got people all over our church uh, that come out of all those things uh, and are happy and delivered and have families and have children and love God and, and free and delivered and they all, nobody forced them to do it. They're thanking God they could do it. I got to quit. I've been preaching, what, 11 minutes now? And so they try to convince the woman that she is not pretty. But she is. Did you see all these girls at Bristol in this bar? Did you look around this auditorium and see these women that are out here? But they, they, they convince them. They tell them, you're ugly. And you can't be pretty unless you use our products. Well, where did you come from? Since when did we judge beauty by what you create in a bottle? I think I'll run my little aisle. Thank God for the liberty of the Holy Ghost, where you're not bound to all of that stuff, but where you can say, Jesus, I thank you for the freedom to be a full-fledged, healthy, robust, beautiful woman. 
And so you watch these people, you may be seated, you watch these people, they slash off their hair. Eve. Oh, Adam got in this deal. And in verse 20, Adam gets a revelation. In fact, until verse 20, Eve didn't even have a name. When 115, when, when 315, when the verse I read is my text, when I read it after they had fallen, Eve up to that point had never had a name. She was just a woman. But woman is a title which looks back to origins. But after she is told, you're going to be the principal one that stands against the universal principal one, Adam, who also fell. Now people say, well, what about Adam, Brother Wilson? Do you think he was a bad guy or a good guy? And do you think he was saved? I'm positive he was saved. I don't even have a question about that. I mean, if God sheds the blood, you can just count on it. It works. Amen. And secondly, when Adam fell, there was intrinsic powers that were given to him as a human being that remained with him. But when he fell, he's so confused, he don't know what he's doing. And so when he hears those words to Eve in 315, that there will be enmity, those words to the serpent, and also to Eve, those words that there will be enmity between you. When, she hear, when he hears that, he recognizes that his, his woman is in trouble, and he sees it different. Listen, Adam didn't sin. He was not deceived, and he didn't sin because he wanted to be a rebel. You understand why he sinned by looking at the last Adam who became sin willingly to save mama. And when you look at the last Adam, it defines for you what happened with the first Adam. The first Adam sinned because he watched his wife go over the cliff and he saw her swirling in the vortex, vortex below and he heard her say, Adam, Adam, I don't have anybody. Adam, I've messed up. Adam, you got to help me. And he couldn't resist it. He leaps into her sin and goes into the depths and goes into the cesspool of filth that she's caught in. And he grabs her hand and he says, baby, hang on. I'm going to get you out of this. There's hope. I listen closely to 315. There's hope. Hang on to me. We're going to get on top of this. And he drags her out of the slime. And they're laying there exhausted. And he said, baby, I listened to what he said. He asked a question of me where I was. And he asked a question of you where you were. But he didn't ask the serpent any questions. Those questions indicate that there's mercy for us. There's a future for us. There's a plan for us. But the serpent doesn't have any future. And the serpent will never get out. But we got out and we have to use what we have. So he... And... It's like God's looking at Adam and saying, are you going to do it or not? God says, 
I already prophesied in 315. It's your turn, bub. And he looks at the devil and all of the principles of the universe. And he brings Eve up beside him who has never been named Eve. And he said, her name is Eve. And she is the mother of all living. Satan, you're not the mother. Your seed will never be the mother. You'll never be the progenitor on earth. It's not going to happen. It's going to be Eve. And I'm her husband. I'm her man. And I'm proclaiming it. And I'm taking the authority to tell you that she's now named Eve. People forget. They forget that Adam was a prophet. He was a prophet before he fell. He's the one that prophesied the names of all the animals. He's the one that prophesied the names of the other stuff in the sea. He's the one, and that spirit was still with him. And that was a prophecy. She wasn't the mother of anything when he said that. Eve, mother of all living. Uh, it's like somebody said, we're going to have, we're going to have peak in, in Houston. Uh, and all of a sudden we uh, start acting like it's already happened, uh, but it didn't happen. That's faith. When you, when you prophesy, you prophesy under the anointing of God in faith. You see the vision and then you prophesy it. Uh, and it hasn't come yet, but it's like Ezekiel. God told him to speak to those, preach to those, preach to those bones. Uh, Preach to that dream. Preach to that vision. You want to be something, young person? You have to claim it. You have to see it in Revelation. And you have to claim it and say, that's me. A failure, that's not me. A success, that's me. Not being used of God, that's not me. Being used of God, that's me. I'm doing this. Sit down. And so Adam sees this. Adam sees this. And he says, Eve, the mother of all living. It was a prophecy. He should have said, some people would say, Eve, who will be the mother? No, no, no. In, 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 in the Hebrew, it would be called a, 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 a predictive or prophetic perfect. It's, it's spoken as though it already happened. And now we look down and see that it was a true prophecy down here. But when he gave her the name Eve, when he named her, to have a name is to have authority. Women. <coughs> You got the name of the last Adam, Jesus. It's to have authority. And what he names her, I'm proud of Eve. She stood up to it. She understood it. She said, I'll accept the role. We can do this. I'm with you. And Adam says, I'm with you. And she said, I thank you, you're my head. And he says, I'm your head. But see that hair on your head? That's the symbol of that power and authority. Don't believe preachers when they start saying, it doesn't matter if you cut your hair. I don't care what the world's doing or what backslid apostolics are doing. I'm just telling you, you're a woman. You're beautiful. Your gender, your definition, your power, your hair, all of it counts. Everything matters. When people say it doesn't matter, they're wrong. It matters. Everything matters. Amen. So people eviscerate themselves and disfigure their faces. I did a little cursory study on plastic surgery. There was one Hollywood woman 
who's had over, over 700 plastic surgeries. Trying to look just right. Trying to get it right. Trying to match some exterior definition of what's right, but there'll never be one. It's a moving target and the devil makes sure it stays a moving target so that you're always exasperated and always doing something else to destroy yourself. And most of the pictures I looked at, they looked like uh, possums with big lips. No, no, I'm not making fun. I'm not making fun. I'm giving a scientific definition. Possum, big lip possums. And so they chop up their body. They have fake faces. Guy marries them. You don't even know what she looks like, buddy, until you get the pancake batter off. Fake face. Hey, I saw a bunch of young ladies here today. They don't need no fake junk on them to be beautiful. Man. So today, so today, they, people got fake faces. I wonder what kind of hate mail I'm going to get. Fake faces, fake hair. Before you write that letter to me, listen to what I'm saying. Fake faces, fake hair, fake color of hair or, or anything else. Yeah. Fake padding. I mean, some of these people look like a 1955 Chevy tuck and rolled in Tijuana. <laughs> fake eyebrows, fake eyelashes, fake little chrome strips, whatever those things are. Fake eye color, fake lips, fake fingernails. Fake shape, fake breasts, fake bums, fake cheeks. <laughs> hey, we're beautiful the way God made us and we love every minute of it. Bible says those that defile the flesh, to defile the Greek word there means to pollute, to paint, to sully, to contaminate. And so, I mean, she must be ugly because she has to paint her eyes, she has to paint her lips, she has to paint her face, she has to paint her eyebrows, she has to paint her fingernails, she has to paint her toenails. She, she's a prisoner to fake. One lady who was mad about people talking about makeup said, I wouldn't go take the garbage out without my makeup on. 
Well, now that's what I'd call bondage. If you can't even take the bondage, I mean the garbage out. <laughs> I mean, that's bondage, sis. We don't live in bondage. We just take the garbage out whenever we want to. And furthermore, and furthermore, you may be seated. And furthermore, you never see anything alive that is painted. Nobody paints trees. I mean, only some wonkhead may, but people don't paint their dogs or their cats. You never go to the zoo and see a painted elephant or monkey. Their natural beauty is greater than the artificiality. The only thing you paint is dead things. So if you're dead in trespasses and sin, then if you're going to paint, I guess that's up to you. But when you got life in you, the biggest beauty on earth is the vibrancy of life. Pure, holy, powerful, healthy life. And then, uh, and then on top of that, there's, I mean, we just hang everything we can on us. If it, if it sparkles or glows, find a place and jam it on there. You, you know, you know where cosmetics comes from? It comes from the word cosmos, which means universe. It's. Everything about Satan's kingdom is counterfeit, okay? It, try, it apes, it imitates God's kingdom. And so all this jewelry that people put on to try to make them sparkle or glow is attempt to incorporate the beauty of the cosmos in the human body. But to get the beauty of the cosmos into the human body, you got to have the source of all that glow inside the temple. And then it emanates out. Otherwise, you can fool people with paint and sparklers. And I saw a woman the other day, she had stars all over her face, little big stars, and in her hair, and down her back, her, her dress was cut a little low, and, and she was actually praying in the altar. So, and at the, these, these stars, but, but the real sparkle and glory emanates from in here. Y'all know that. That's not new. So, and those heavenly bodies, before Satan fell, he had a sparkly body. Moses and Elijah, when they met Jesus, they had glistening bodies. 
Uh, angels, when they appear, oftentimes, especially New Testament, have glistening bodies. Jesus in Revelation 1 had a sparkling body. The saints in Revelation have the robes of righteousness of the white, glistening, so forth. So, so all of that emanates presently out of the face of the believer. And that's why the purpose of modesty is to draw all that attention to the face. Because out of the face, out of the eyes, boys, if you want to know, if you want to know what she's really like, look in her eyes. Well, be careful. <laughs> Amen. Okay. My 15 minutes is up. My 15 minutes is up. I'm through. I think I'll sing that old chorus for you, though. There's an old hymn of the church that precedes the time some of you were born. Uh, let me get my air guitar here. I laid it back here on this chair. Get my air guitar. Ring. Come on up, Brother Kirk. Help me out. Now, this is a very complicated piece of music. I don't know whether you can follow or not, but I have faith in you. The name of the song is I Got the Inside Bling Bling. We are going to sing something else in a minute. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to play it. Some of you never heard it. At one time, it was a pretty popular song. Here it is. I got the inside bling bling. Don't need no shiny little thingy things. I got that hidden glow. I'm going to let it show. Because I'm a cosmic kid. Oh, I'm a cosmic kid. Yes, we're cosmic kids. There it is. Don't want no Darwin's funky monkey tails or funky fakey fingernails. I got my ticket to the sky. I'll kiss it all goodbye because I'm a cosmic kid. Oh, I'm a cosmic kid. Hey, yeah, I'm a cosmic kid. You can say that. And I'm a cosmic kid. What do I mean by cosmic kid? I mean you're, you're, you've got the glow from outer space. You don't need all the fake stuff. Okay, here's a good little verse. Talking on the internet. How the world party hardy. They say you don't fit well. But I say I be going to heaven, but you be going to well. I'm a cosmic kid. 
I got the inside bling bling. Don't need no shiny thingy thing. I got a home in the sky. I'll kiss this world goodbye. Cause I'm a cosmic kid. I figure some of you need a verse that's a... Some of you need a verse that's a little bit... Okay, I got my guitar ready. So I watch old painted beauty fade. Seek another beauty aid. It's all just a big charade. But I don't drink that Kool-Aid. Because I got the inside bling bling. Ah, yeah. Let's clap our hands and praise Jesus. Come on, let's come to the front and celebrate! 